Hi, welcome to the Lehman Krellin podcast. My name is Catherine Lehman and today I'm with Damon Baker. Hi, Damon. Hey, Kath, how are you doing? So, welcome to the Lehman Krellin podcast. I think you've been here before and you've been on the other side of the mic, but now we've turned the mic on you, Damon. So, welcome to Lehman Krellin. Welcome to the team. Wonderful to have you on board. Wonderful to be here. You have some super interesting experience and background and actually what maybe not a lot of people will know is a lot of your background sits in the red change sphere can you talk to us a little bit about how that came about and some of the projects that you've worked on absolutely i started life as a lawyer in la that's where i grew up and as one does i worked in the entertainment industry for a few years before moving to France to do an MBA. And when I was in business school is when I learned about financial services in London. Okay, so Damon, I need to stop you there. I can't let you get away with that bit. You worked in the entertainment industry. Can you expand? <laughs> <laughs> so my my first job out of law school was at a movie studio. And I, it was an ex-girlfriend of mine. Her, her dad is a producer. I contacted a few people that I knew who worked in the industry. He was one of them. He was great. You talk about pay it forward. This guy really helped me out. He sent, I want to think it was 14 different letters. And this is going back to 1997. He sent 14 letters to different lawyers that he knew in the industry, asking if they could spend a few minutes with me. And through one of those meetings, I was able to get my first job. So my job was in a function called business affairs. So every every studio, every production company in Hollywood will typically have a business affairs department. Business affairs negotiates deal terms with either the agent or the manager or the entertainment attorney of the talent. And so I was not negotiating anything. I'm, I'm just like the newbie. So my job was to read through literally 100 page contracts to figure out what rights the studio either had or obligations they had. So as an example, there might've been a writer that owed us a you know, second draft of a script. I would highlight that to my boss. She would then go contact the writer's agent and get the second draft in. Or if we owed money on a second draft or what's called a polish, then we would have to pay them out. So that was my job, just a grunt reading through legal agreements, but it was, it was a way in. I then shifted to work for a record label and it was on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> it's quite funny. Looking back on my life in entertainment, it was, a, it was a great training ground for working in financial services. And I say that because as you can imagine, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of egos in both businesses. And it just helped me kind of navigate some of the egos I encountered and that I still encounter in financial services in London. That said, I, I should jump into <laughs> the kind of like the red chain space. So yeah, really, really kind of random that I that I worked in Hollywood and that I started working in compliance, right? That's not a natural progression. But I, it, it sounds like your ability to, and you've got you've got this capability to read and digest huge volumes of content and pluck out what's important. And so much of that, translates very naturally to the financial services space because we are all well used to seeing thousands of lines of uh, rules and regulations that we have to adhere to. 
That's absolutely that that is right. That is a and it is a skill to look at in this case, you know, a new reg coming out. And I must say, I, I'm I'm rather fond of the font that ESMA uses when it publishes <laughs> its regulations and directives. But the, the point is, is looking at a document that's 100 plus pages and think, no problem, I'll go ahead and read that. And then distilling it down to literally three, four, you know, single digit bullet points so that some executive who's got no time will engage with the content. So you're absolutely right. Taking a huge volume of what can be dry legal text, distilling it down to the key points that your stakeholder deems important because it's about understanding your stakeholders. So if I've got to do a summary for compliance officers, I'm going to highlight different things than I will if I'm flagging it to the head of a business. So you spent some time in France. So you have some French in your vocab? A little bit. So when I was in law school, I started dating a, a French woman. She moved to L.A. She hated the entertainment industry. She hated L.A. So that's what really I mean, it was. And it sounds cheesy, but I'm going to say it because it's true. I chose love over career when when I decided to leave L.A. And we thought if I if I do an MBA, that's a transitional degree. It'll help me transition industries. And I didn't know really what I wanted to do after the after business school. I knew I wanted that education, but it also helped me transition continents. One week after business school started is when September 11th happened. And that changed everything massively, even my viewpoint on like what would be interesting. And a couple of months after that, there was a company at the time called Barclays Capital, which started to advertise summer internships in London. I went through their process, got an internship, worked on on a trading floor. I'd never even seen a trading floor. But actually, no, the movie Wall Street was the first time and the only time I'd seen a trading floor. And then all of a sudden I was on one working. And I had to survive in that atmosphere. I had to survive in that environment. I realized quite quickly that I am not a salesman of structured derivative products. But I also realized that I really, I was interested in advising the business because it goes back to my legal background. So Reg Change, as you know, was about advising the business on how to comply with what? Whatever new reg, whatever new directive has come out from the legislating body. And working with people, I, I have found that having or taking a collaborative approach to implementing reg change is far more effective than the kind of highbrow, you shall do this. It's like, no, here's the objective. Let's figure out how to get there together. You've done at least, well, quite a significant part of your financial services career has been spent in, in reg change. But actually, you've also done quite a lot of really large-scale remediation. That's right. So through the through the reg change work, I've been able to meet various people. There were a couple of guys that I met many, many years ago, maybe 10 years ago now, who they have a consulting practice where they will drop in teams of young people to undertake some large remediation. So the two large ones that I've done have been in the KYC space and also in the the outsourcing third-party risk management space. And the idea there is, is there's some regulatory driver behind the work. And you also need an experienced SME on-site to manage the team of young people who are actually doing you know, the, the, the real day-to-day. -day. So 
my engagement there was working with the team, answering questions, getting them past a lot of the issues that, that they encountered when they were doing the remediation work, but then also stakeholder engagement. So me engaging with reporting to executives on the client side. But as you can imagine, I needed to know the reg. I needed to understand what our objectives were from a regulatory point of view before I could explain that to the team. And then of course, problem solve on a daily basis with them. So that remediation work, well, I, I really did like that because number one, I needed to be an SME. I like that. Number two, I'm working with young people. I tend to like them and get along with them. And then three, really doing the stakeholder engagement and management is something that keeps me keeps me sharp. Because as you can imagine, executives in large financial institutions that are paying lots of money for these types of remediation projects, they want results. Yeah, that, that absolutely. And they want results quickly because they're usually under a certain amount of external pressure to deliver on those. So just in, in, in closing, people who've read your bio on the Lehman Quillen website will see that you're becoming more and more of an SME in the DeFi space. For the uninitiated, can you tell them what is DeFi? Got it. So DeFi just means decentralized finance. So our our typical model, everyone is is used to and understands what folks call TradFi, traditional finance. So you've got a bank who sits in the middle and they control oftentimes the flow of capital, right? That's what this game is all about, is how do you get capital from one party to another? And with a lot of intermediaries, that means a lot of fees are taken out and there's just a lot of more friction in the system. What we've seen with regard to Define Web3, it's it's a lot of or a lot more peer-to-peer transactions are happening. In TradFi, you don't see that as much. You normally have an institution that sits in the middle of some transfer of information or of value or capital. But here we're seeing a lot more peer-to-peer. But the democratization of capital flows is a is a huge, huge opportunity. And it's one that a lot of the new players coming into the market are taking advantage of. And I think that's a good thing. Now, how can I, how can we position ourselves that way? We don't necessarily have to pick a winner in the space. You know, we don't have to say, hey, let's focus on TradFi and help them adopt digital asset flows. Or no, 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 let's pick the right fintech. Or better yet, let's pick the right Web3 company to help. No, we can focus on the regulations because each of those stakeholders is going to have to engage with those regulations. And that's that's an area that I'm interested in. I want to stay in. And as you said, start to build a name for myself in and, and bring the Lehman Krellin brand to bear because there's a lot of in-house expertise on the Lehman Krellin side that we can leverage to really make an impact in this ecosystem. Thanks, Damon. That's that's super interesting. And our listeners will probably have picked up a certain amount of passion that Damon has for the topics he's been talking about, particularly uh, the, the crypto assets, digital assets space. So do look out for Damon's 
podcasts for his blogs as well. You'll see that passion comes through in his writing and uh, and certainly in some of his shop products as well. So do look out for Damon. You can book a one-to-one consultation with Damon online if you would like to do so. So look out for that as well. Otherwise, I shall leave our listeners there and uh, we will see you next time on the Lehman Crellin podcast.